Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. It's another Thursday edition, and we're back live on a traditional time in studio. Welcome in. If you got questions for us, you know the routine. We hope it's scrolling at the bottom of the screen most of the show. But you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also, uh, well, we're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville there. Um, but we don't tend to interact during the show there. Of course, there's email as well. Hope you take full advantage. Uh, last show we had was Monday, if you missed it, live. We were on at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll dabble with what we normally do with our, our uh, marathon programming. Um, good show. Nice to get back into the swing of things after soccer distracted us a little bit. Appreciate your patience with us as we didn't have a show last Thursday, and I'm glad we didn't as I was uh, in the middle of getting ready for soccer. <laughs> I sat there going, I don't know where I have X amount of time to have put a show together. Thought about, dabbled about putting the committee chairs together as, as a podcast. Maybe we'll do that a little later in the year. But nonetheless, uh, appreciate you uh, bearing with us. And, of course, not a show on Sunday. I didn't even get home until a show would have been uh, almost off the air. So good thing we didn't do that either. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we hope we're going to enjoy tonight's show. It's an interesting topic, uh, to say the least. It's about change. Uh, we've had th at least three – listen, we had a lot of coaching changes. Uh, something like 10 or 15% of coachings, coaches changed uh, hands in the offseason, a lot of coaches certainly named as interims, and we'll have more coaching changes next year. It is part of the offseason. We're very much used to it. We already have, which we have for neglected to mention on the show uh, in the last couple episodes, which I brain fart on my part. You know, Connecticut College men's basketball is already with a new coach with an interim there, head coach up and um, I guess quit, resigned, retired. I, I don't know truly what he did, despite what you read. Uh, did that the day after Thanksgiving. Not a great start. Program had been struggling for a while, but it's rare in Division Three to see that happen, and it happened. Um, so interesting instance there, to say the least. Uh, so we always have coaching changes. They're not abnormal. But tonight we're going to talk about three, two, three programs, and about three programs that changed rather suddenly or unexpectedly or inconveniently. You've got Brandeis, and we got the whole story there we'll talk about where, where that started falling apart early summer, uh, late spring, early summer, with an article from Deadspin, decided to go with an interim, then in late summer changed their mind on the interim, decided to go with a head coach, went through the process of hiring. Head coach Gene uh, Bain was hired two weeks before the season practices were to begin. Uh, then you've got Trine women and Salisbury men who in the weeks, well, let's see, it was Salisbury men at the same time Bain was being hired by Brandeis, Andy Sachs was being put on administrative leave. They started preseason practices with him going through a process at Salisbury, that, which by the time October ended and games were about to begin, resulted in Andy Sachs no longer being the head coach of Salisbury. And on Trine's case, I don't remember the exact timing, but I, I believe it was short uh, day or two before the practices were to begin, or right around that date. Um, Ryan Gould was suspended, and he ultimately was let go. Um, right around the time Andy was, and actually, Trine took less time than than Salis, uh, Salisbury did. That's private versus public. 
different scenarios. We don't even really know what happened with the trying situation besides what they wrote. We know a lot more of what happened in the Salisbury case because Andy Sachs has actually spoken out about what happened, though not saying anything Andy hasn't heard me say to him in a very long-winded, maybe not well-crafted statement. Anyway, we didn't want to dive into all the particulars too much, but these programs are off to a 19-2 and combined start this season. Trine has one loss, Brandeis has one loss, and Salisbury is undefeated 8-0. They could start a program best 9-0 should they beat Wesley coming up on Saturday. So I want to get their point of view on things. So tonight we're going to hear from uh, Gene Bain, the head coach of Brandeis, about taking over the program, trying to change the mentality. Where where does a student-athlete sit when they took over? What, what was his expectations coming in, et cetera? We'll talk to him about all of that. Then we have uh, two student-athletes are going to come on. Cassidy Williams from Trine, a senior, and senior Chase um, Coomer, the, the senior captain, I should say, for Salisbury. Just talking about what is it like... To expand upon what Ryan Scott got in his article last week, what is it like to be on a program that has a sudden change? Uh, you know, you're, you're heading in going, here's my coach, and wait, you mean he's not my coach, and I got him as a coach, and what is that process like? And then furthermore, just talk about how great these seasons are being. You know, let's, you know, try and certainly have high expectations. We know that. But it's under a new coach now, and it doesn't mean it always runs smoothly. They've only had one loss. They're still playing pretty well. Salisbury's playing darn well. So we'll talk about it. And remember, we've seen this played out before in different ways. Um, We don't have to go that far back to Mary Washington, which, while it wasn't well-known during this season, it was certainly speculated and known that Rod Wood was heading out the door. When they made their miraculous run to the to the Elite Eight and knocked on the door of the Final Four, so we deal with this where teams get fired up and motivated, and sometimes that's what this is. But this can also be very distracting, especially Salisbury took a lot of news. Brandeis was in the national news, um, certainly local and national news. Trine has maybe slid under the radar a little bit more because we don't know what's going on, and there's a potential that maybe we learn more down the road. But again, we wanted to talk to all three programs. So we will talk to all three programs, and I'm looking forward to those conversations. Again, I am not going to be asking, why did so-and-so get fired? I am not going to be asking, why was your coach let go? What are your opinions on that? I don't want to know that. That's not the purpose of tonight's show. And if, you, and if you're disappointed by that, you're welcome to email me. But that isn't what we want to focus on. We want to tip our hat while, while talking about the elephant in the room as I said to somebody just a few moments ago. Forgive me, as my cold, which you all know I've been dealing with for weeks, still won't go away. Hopefully we'll get it away sometime. Um, in the meantime, there's another change that is a coming, and I am thrilled. The WBCA announced today, um, and remember the WBCA partner of Hoopsville, WBCA announced today that an all-star game is coming to Division Three women's basketball, Appropriately enough, we're heading to Salem and Roanoke College for this opportunity. We will talk to Pat Manning, head coach at Williams, about that. She is, it's been a passion of hers to try and be, 
to create this opportunity. We will talk to her about it and looking forward to it. It's a great conversation. Uh, by the way, yes, Brandeis is playing basketball tonight. Williams is playing basketball tonight. We pre-taped those interviews. <laughs> we'll get that elephant, our own elephant, out of the room. Again, you can tweet us and, and message us and all kinds of stuff. Howard Herman is uh, not able to watch, but he says, uh, by the way, did a great job on the women's soccer. Watched most of the championship game uh, after I covered something. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Um, by the way, <laughs> there are two players in basketball in Division Three right now that if you are not watching, what are you doing? On the men's side, it's Wheaton's Aston Francis. And listen, Wheaton took a couple of losses after oh, some of us overreacted about them in the top 25. But what he's doing, you know, I, I want to be critical because I think he's putting up way too many shots. I think what Francis is doing is maybe a little bit too heavy-handed. I'd like to see him get the rest of his team involved in, in a little bit. But in the meantime, the guy is hitting some big shots, scoring some big points, and allowing his team some big wins. And last night against Illinois Wesleyan, hit a buzzer beater to win the game on a tremendous shot. Now, a little bit of acting at the end, trying to, to maybe get a call in case the shot didn't go in. Uh, but you got you got to give him a little bit of A for effort on it. But he is having an absolutely terrific season, and I haven't seen a men's basketball player make that kind of impact at the beginning of the year that was maybe unexpected, and, I, and I'll get to that in a second, in a long time. And, and the reason I say unexpected, not because we don't know that Francis isn't a good basketball player. He, we, we know he's a good basketball player. There's no surprise there. Um, I think it's because... Maybe he's going above what we all expected him. We, I mean, he was a preseason All-American. We expected him to have a good season. We know he's a good player. But he, for some reason, a light has been been flipped. And, and we see it also out of uh, Rose out of Illinois Wesleyan. He's certainly having a good year. But Francis is having another one. Now, 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 we're a, we're a month into the season. There's a lot of basketball to be played. Um, let's. Yeah, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But I do want to note that he is having a tremendous start this year. He's already gone over 1,500 points. He's got a chance, as Ryan Scott pointed out, to get to 2,000 by the end of the year. It'll be fun to watch. On the women's side, it's Madison Temple for Thomas Moore. Now, they are going through a gauntlet of a season, if you hadn't noticed already, in what is their last season in Division Three, which is, we can talk about probably later in the year, the fact that it's too bad Thomas Moore has decided to take its ball and go home. This is partly their own doing and it's partly that other schools or other conferences don't want to deal with them and, and to some degree i kind of look at other conferences and go give me a break um but that said uh they are undefeated at nine and oh their crazy schedule was already crazy to begin with in just the month of november they played six games including uh three and eight days i'm sorry four and nine days and the opening um well, from the 14th to the 25th, they played five of those six games. And then, starting December 1st, they played at Whitewater. December 3rd, they were at Chicago. December 5th, they were at Marietta. And December 7th, they will be um, at Whitman to play Whitworth, followed by December 8th at Whitworth. I'm sorry, at Whitman. So let me repeat that. January 1st, that was Saturday. They were at Whitewater. On Monday, they were at Chicago. On Wednesday, last night they were at Marietta, which is somewhat on the way home. Then Friday, they will be at Whitman to take on Whitworth. And Saturday, 
They will be at Whitworth at Whitman. I did it again. Whitworth at Whitman on Saturday, on Friday, Saturday at Whitman. Then six days later, they'll be in Hope to take on Baldwin Wallace, and then either Hope Finlandia the next day. Then four days later, they will be at home. At home, you say, at home against Wesleyan. I'm sorry, no, that's in Miami against Wesleyan and against Calou. Then they'll take eight days off for Christmas, and they'll be at DePauw to take on Franklin and DePauw or somebody else. Then they'll play center after that. It's a nuts schedule. Nuts. But Temple, Madison Temple is playing tremendous basketball. What she did against Chicago was worth watching. This is a darn good team. Now, they look tired against Marietta. I worry about this trip heading out west to play Whitworth and Whitman, which will not be easy. Uh, they will get some time off after that. We will hopefully talk to them sometime soon. I'm, I'd love to tell you Sunday the 9th, but considering they're flying back from the east or the west coast, I suspect not. I have a feeling we may push it to Thursday. That's not ideal either, uh, but it's at least before their games at, at Hope. So we'll see. But we want to talk to them, and we may talk to Madison Temple about that team. Tremendous uh, player, really worth watching. She had a big night um, in an upset bid, obviously, the same night that Francis uh, hit his big shot last night. So a couple of players I just wanted to, to recognize. Uh, tremendous start to, to the season as we continue to see if anybody has any questions for us. If you do, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, check in the email. Nobody's gotten to us. No big deal. Going to check the chats now. I realize I hadn't gotten in there yet. Apologize, folks. Bear with me getting into the chats. Uh, Jennifer Whaley, uh, I assume you say Whaley, could be Wally, but I think it's Whaley, says Go Thunder. You're right, Jennifer, Go Thunder. Uh, good team, to say the least. Uh, got a new chat room we're checking out. Nope, don't have anything in there. We are on Facebook. I'm calling that up now to see if anybody's in there and don't see anybody. That's all right. Not the end of the world. Um, but we hope you uh, will consider simulcasting there. You might as well take advantage of it. Uh, I did print up my top 25s, but I don't have them in front of me. Uh, as to how everybody did. So bear with me as we quickly dive into that. A little bit quieter so far this week, uh, thankfully. Um, exams have something to do with that. Was obviously, we don't have as many games taking part. But quick look at what's been going on in the top 25. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan, again, lost to Wheaton um, and a buzzer beater. Of course, number eight, Titans. Uh, Middlebury lost to Plattsburgh State. Of course, Plattsburgh State ranked 10th. I have both teams in the in the lower half of my ballot. I don't have my ballot in front of me. Um, 92-83. I think that speaks more about Middlebury. Listen, Plattsburgh State's good. My concern about Plattsburgh is they're not very deep on the bench right now. That may develop. But that's a good win for Plattsburgh. That's a tough loss for Middlebury, who's now 5-2. and two. Lynchburg lost to Guilford in the overreaction game of the uh, of this week. Uh, Lynchburg jumped into the top 25 on their 7-0 and record, but I'll be, I'll be honest, they only had, what, they, they beat Christopher Newport? I think Christopher Newport beat something. There's a bunch of overreactions there. I didn't have Lynchburg on my ballot, um, so they lose, not surprisingly. Guilford's a good team. The Odak's going to be a heck of a battle this season, let's be honest. Um, I'm not surprised there. In the receiving votes category, I don't know what's going on in New Jersey State or New Jersey City, but Montclair State beat them. Now, that says a lot about Montclair State, I will admit. I think Montclair State's having a tremendous season. We will have them on the show sometime soon. They get the five-point win there. 
But New Jersey said he's now six and three, and they're already flirting with disaster here. They can't take many more losses if they want to at least secure a chance into the NCAA tournament for this team that was supposedly built to be a, a juggernaut this season. They're not playing like a juggernaut, and it's it's frustrating. And this is, of course, coming off of a big win over Albertus Magnus, 104-83, where some people like to message me telling me the turn, team had finally turned the corner. we got to stop worrying about whether this team turned the corner and let them see them put a few games together. Montclair State, 81-76, a loss. Yes, Montclair is good. I'm not doubting that. But New Jersey City's got to get off the mat a little bit here. They're taking too many jabs. Uh, Eastern Connecticut lost to Western Connecticut. John Carroll lost to Mount Union. John Carroll's 3-3, three and three, interestingly enough, this season. Not sure what that's about. Um, I thought they would be good. I put them in my top 25 thinking they were going to be good this year. Um, I didn't have them high in my top 25, but I still thought they would be pretty solid. And they're three and three, so it's an interesting situation there, and we'll keep an eye on it, uh, to say the least. But there's your, your a little less carnage so far this week, but obviously less games too, as we're into the middle of finals. Quick, um, take a quick uh, note before we take a break. A reminder: we will be back into the swing of things now, Sundays and Thursdays through. It looks like December twentieth. Now, December twentieth, we may go on the air a little bit earlier that day just to kind of get out of town, as it were. Not that we're leaving, but to allow people to enjoy the show uh, before we get out of town. Uh, maybe enjoy the show that evening when the podcast is up. So the 20th, we may end up doing a daytime show. Uh, but otherwise, 7 o'clock. And then the 20th is our last show before the holidays. And then we'll be back. When we're debating on when to be back. Here's the trick. I actually have technically two games on uh, Thursday the 3rd uh, when we're supposed to be back on the air. Obviously, can't pull off a Thursday the third this show uh, if I'm on the or at least live. So, and I don't know if I'm gonna have enough time to pre-tape something coming back from Vegas and DC and uh, the tournament there. We'll see what we're gonna do. Worst case, we're starting up on the sixth, and we hope you'll join us there. Hey, Tim Brennan, John Caslin, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the program. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Email us. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We can take our first break. When we come back, we will discuss um, Brandeis. Talk about the change there and what Gene Bain has been able to do in what has essentially been a two-month period of time. He talked to us earlier today, and we look forward to hearing from him. We'll take a break and give you a sense of what the judges are up to. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. 
to step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville here, folks, on this Thursday evening, uh, December 6th. Before we go any further, of course, today, uh, the final um, day of a six-day mourning period for the former president, President George H.W. Bush, uh, of course, our 41st president. And I figured take the time, did this during soccer, did this during some other broadcasts, to at least acknowledge the moment, losing a, a great man, certainly, no matter what your political persuasions. Uh, of course, a, a student-athlete as well himself, and so we just wanted to take our time to do that. All right, so let's jump into the conversation we were having as we ended the break, as we go into our first segment. Brandeis men's basketball for the last few years arguably has not lived up to the expectations I think many had for the program. Um, the UAA has been good. Obviously, every program there is, is, is tough. There's a handful of teams in that UAA on the men's side that just haven't reemerged or re-engaged with WashU, Rochester, um, uh, Emory, even Chicago, in in getting back into the conversation, and we've seen some coaching changes uh, in the off season. NYU's head coach retired, WashU's head coach retired, both of them replaced. Brandeis ended up going through a coaching change that was a little bit more tumultuous, uh, a little bit more rough. Deadspin coming out with an article about the conduct of Brian Meehan, and really also to some degree how the school kind of covered it up how there were some other, or at least some complaints that weren't fully heated and why there was a relationship with at least me and, and a VP or somebody else that kind of allowed that to continue despite complaints to what was basically a new AD. Brandeis was quick to react. Yes, we could argue should have reacted sooner, but they were quick to react. Brian was, Meehan was let go. There was a full investigation undergone. The AD was put on temporary leave. They replaced the AD, though they didn't fire the AD, found a, di a different position for the AD. In my opinion, that's a good move uh, if you read the, the investigation. And they decided to go with an interim head coach. And then that decision was changed. I won't go into what I was told might have been behind that because it's, it's speculation and I don't want to put that out there necessarily. But they decided to go with a change, but it was last minute. The results of it was still a little bit of a slow process, but that's because others were involved. This was a full school um, hiring process, a little bit less streamlined than you would like at that time of year, and certainly more involved than most coaching services searches take place for good reason. They ended up landing on Gene Bain. The Brandeis men's team is off to a tremendous start, considering all of that. Um, maybe they could have still gotten out to a 5-1 and one start. Who knows? But they beat Mass Dartmouth, lost to Suffolk, beat Bates, LaSalle, Salem State, and Babson. They beat Babson 74-49 just the other night. Now, they're playing Becker tonight, and they currently have a 37-21 lead as we talk. And they've got more games ahead. But I thought this was an appropriate place to start our conversation, 
dealing with change. And earlier today, I had a chance to talk to the new head coach of Brandeis, and it is John uh, Gene Bain, and he joined me earlier today. So joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline via Skype, it is Gene Bain. And Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time and joining us on the show. No, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, first and foremost, the, as we said, the story here has certainly got a lot of national attention in the offseason. Brian Meehan getting fired. They went with an interim um, uh, at one point and then changed their minds on this. This was somewhat last minute. So how did it get on your radar outside of the story already being on your radar? Mm-hmm. Um, how it became on my radar is because I'm from this area and I had the opportunity to play high school basketball at Medford High School. Had the opportunity to play at Northeastern University. So um, I, I know a lot of people in the Boston area. And, you know, I think once the job became open, uh, a lot of people that were in the coaching profession that I knew of this way actually reached out to me and thought this would be a great opportunity for me to start my uh, first career coach, head coaching job. Um, I think a lot of the people knew the resources and, and, and how important basketball was to Brandeis and how much of a good job it was that they thought I'd, I'd be the guy that could, you know, potentially uh, get the job and, 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 start, and start my career. Let's be blunt. With all that national attention and what clearly seemed both in front and behind the scenes as being a little bit of turmoil on campus, at the same time, that had to be a very nervous proposition as this progressed further that you were walking yourself into maybe a little bit of an unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, they're very true. Um, I think sometimes when you're in the outside and you're looking in, I, sometimes you think things are, you know, obviously a little bit worse than what, you know, they are. Um, so when I came here on my interview, um, you know, this was, that was my first time on campus uh, while this, all this stuff was going on. And to be honest with you, I had a chance to walk around campus, had a chance to meet a lot of people in the athletic department. And I didn't notice anything different than any other school. Um, you know, that kind of put my mind at ease as to what I was walking into. Um, and when I had a chance to meet the players, they were just excited to kind of, you know, get a, a fresh start. Um, that that made me very excited because none of the players really brought, brought up what had gone on here uh, to me early in the process. So that made me feel good because I think the kids were looking for an outlet. Um, they were looking to start new. They were looking to move forward. And so were the people in the administration. Um, you know, so it, it never really dawned on my mind as you know, I was walking into a, a tough, tough situation when it came to that story. It does feel like the search process, at least from the, what I've been able to gather, was maybe a little bit more administration driven for, for <laughs> good reason, let's be honest. Uh, there was still a, a not an understanding of where an athletics director may have a role. Uh, in the process or on the campus. So it, did you feel like maybe a little bit more uh, higher ups being involved? I, I know you meet them anyway in a normal job search, and mm-hmm. we know that's part of the process, but it did feel like a little bit different that the administration really wanted its hands on a little bit more, rightly or wrongly, I don't care, but just should they have their hands on a little bit more? Yeah, I think everybody wanted to make the best decision for the kids. Um, I think you know Pre- President Leibovitz and uh, Vice Provost Lynch did a tremendous job taking their time to make sure they made the right decision. Um, I think hiring our current athletic director, Jeff Ward, was a tremendous, tremendous uh, asset in terms of somebody had somebody to lean on. Somebody had been an athletic director, had been in athletics for a long, long time um, to help guide them through the process. But I thought they did a tremendous job just taking their time and 
just making sure that they had the right person. Um, because like you said, you know, a lot went on here. Um, so they wanted to make sure they made the right decision. And I thought they, they did a tremendous job. You obviously had to get up and running quickly. Uh, two assistants, it appears, from the old program stayed on in Sean Tab and Patrick Liptowski. Was that uh, partly your choice, partly because they were here, part administration wanting to make sure that things at least transitioned smoothly? I think the administration wanted to make things uh, transition smoothly. Um, the positive on my end was, you know, having been a New England guy, um, I knew Pat, I knew Sean. Um, Sean's dad actually offered me a job when I first started when he nice. was at AIC. Uh, I know Sean when he was at Brown uh, University. So, you know, I had a connection with both guys. I think that made the transition easy for me as well. Um, and I knew people that knew them and had nothing but great things to say about them. And they've been tremendous in terms of helping guide me um, through the process because, like you mentioned, things were moving really quick. You know, I got hired, I think, October 1st. First practice was uh, October 15th. Mm -hmm. so they, were a, they were very valuable in terms of making sure everything went smoothly. So I give them a lot of credit uh, on that as well. Obviously, the team, a little bit of disarray considering the national headlines, you know, their, their names per se in front of everybody. We also heard a little bit about how players left the program because of what was going on. How much have you been able to retain? How much have you been able to bring back maybe to the program? Or how much of this is turning the corner and just moving forward with what you, we've got, including a number of freshmen, and just seeing where this program takes us? You know, I think a lot of it had to be with just moving forward. Um, it's funny you asked that. When I, when I took the job, when I got hired, um, a lot of the players said, Coach, have you, have you watched film on us? What do you think? And I told them, you know, honestly, I have not. I they haven't watched a single uh, possession of how you guys played last year. Um, my whole point was I wanted to kind of make my own assessment uh, on the kids and the program and kind of where it's at and try to develop a plan to kind of move forward. So um, I thought the kids did a tremendous job of not, you know, of just moving forward. Um, there was nothing about last year. There's nothing about, hey, this is the way we did things. Um, I think the kids understand that, you know, we're starting to establish a, a different culture here. We're trying to play a different way. And we're just trying to, you know, each day that, you know, we're at practice, we're just trying to get better um, and, and try to move the, forward, the program forward and continue to build. Um, I think the kids have done a tremendous job of that. How many, has anybody who used to be on the program said, hey, coach, I'd like to come back? Um, no. Okay. Um, I think there were a couple guys that were here that ended up leaving the school. Sure. Um, from my understanding. Um, but we were able to pick up, you know, four or five new young guys, freshmen, um, that has been tremendous for us, not just as, you know, kids, but they've been tremendous as, as far as building the culture. So, um, you know, I just wanted good kids. I wanted kids that wanted to get better. Um, that was the main concern when, when I first started here. And, you know, every single guy has done that. So, um, you know, we try not to, you know, rehash on the old uh, memories that were left here. Sure. Uh, program's off to a decent start. Uh, five and one, lost to Suffolk, but... You know, you've beaten Dartmouth, Bates, uh, Mass Dartmouth, not Dartmouth, Dartmouth, Mass Dartmouth, Bates, LaSalle, Salem State, and Babson, of course, the champs from a year and a half ago. Uh, we should point out we're pre-taping this, as we did in our pre-game, as you're playing Becker on the road, and then you'll have uh, Wesleyan coming up uh, this weekend. It, it, the start as you expected, or did you have no expectations? Um, I, I, don't, I didn't have an expectation. I told my assistants when I, you know, and I'll be honest, when I first started, I said, man, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know when we're going to win a game because my whole thought process was, you know, I just want to try to get these guys, you know, to compete at a high level, 
to get better each day. And then, you know, we're worried about the wins and losses when they come. Um, so the kids have done a tremendous job. And, I'm, and, I, and you know, the kids sometimes when I say to them, I don't know if they believe me, they've, they've adjusted. They, they've, they've come to practice every single day and just worked their tail off. And they've, they want to get better. And that's what I love about my guys is, you know, each day they walk through the door, um, they, they're excited. And that's one of the things I told them when I took this job. I said, you know, I want you guys to come in the gym and be excited to be there and not make it, you know, like, oh, my God, you know, we're practicing. So the kids have done a tremendous job of doing that. And I think that's one of the reasons um, that we are 5 and one is because of the work they've put in, uh, you know, starting out in a tough situation. Um, and not knowing what, you know, coming and going. They didn't have an idea who their coach was going to be uh, during the summer, in the spring, and they've kind of come in and just bought in. And, you know, here we are, 5-1, and one, and, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to get better each day, but I think the kids have done a tremendous job of that. Again, you know, it's not going to get any easier. you got to enter the UAA, which, let's oh. be honest, you haven't even dappled in yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I am sure UAA coaches have reached out and, and said hello and, and probably Absolutely. been helpful because the, the coaching fraternity is like that, Absolutely. Um, ironically, to some degree. Um, but what do you expect when you get into UAA conference? Uh, you, we should point out you'll get going on January 5th uh, at home against NYU before you really turn up the wick on the yeah. 11th when you start um, traveling to Carnegie Mellon and CWRU. What are you expecting, and, and and should we have any expectations for a program? Let's be honest, has underperformed for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, right now, as a program ourselves, our only expectation is to to take it day by day. That's you know to take it practice by practice. I know it's the old cliche, but we're we're really serious about that because you know we're you know we haven't accomplished anything yet. To be honest with you. Um, you know, we, we've gotten off to a good start. You know, all that means is, you know, now when we play teams, you know, they're going to be ready to play us. And that's what I told my guys. I said, you know, a lot of teams didn't know what to expect because, you know, we're coming back from a team that won seven games. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on here. Everything was kind of disheveled. And now, you know, maybe teams took us lightly. I don't know. But now when we start, you know, moving forward, I said, everybody's going to be ready to kind of play right away. They're going to be ready to give you their best shot. So, you know, myself, I don't have any expectations. I just want us to continue to get better day in and day out. And, uh, you know, we'll worry about the wins and losses um, as they come. Interesting for me. I don't know if I've said it as much publicly as maybe I've said it in my head. I feel like this whole incident has been an incredible opportunity for Brandeis to turn the corner, to to turn over a new leaf. It's almost a blessing in disguise. And I hate saying that because the incident was horrific in, in nature. But it feels like this is an opportunity for Brandeis to reevaluate itself and reevaluate things and and really kind of change the course of their athletics department and as and as a result their school. Have you gotten a sense of that in your brief you know, two months on campus? Um, you know, I've said it from day one. I've said it from the time I came interviewed. There are tremendous, tremendous people here that that really care about the student athletes and really care about the Brandeis as as a school. So. You know, I, I think, like you said, um, you know, it's a blessing in disguise, but, you know, I think the people that are here are also, you know, very valuable in terms of kind of where the programs are going. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you look at the women's soccer team, they just went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, the men's soccer team had a very, very good year. So I think as a whole, as, as, as a department, I think, you know, each team is on the right path and, um, you know, each team's going to continue to get better. And I, I'm just happy to be part of it. Yeah, I think that's some of the irony was 
men, the soccer programs especially have had so much success. Men's soccer, um, nearly winning championships in a, you know in recent years. That you know we've been waiting for the breakthrough or, or return to the breakthrough on the other other sports like basketball. So right. it was somewhat ironic. What what's what's been your overall message? I mean, maybe you've said this already, but message to the team, or at least what's when you walk into the locker room, maybe written on the walls to let these guys know that forget the past, move forward. You're in good hands. Um, the thing I tell the guys every day before practice, I said, let's control what we can control. Um, I don't think we can, you know, sit here and worry about things that are out of our hands um, when it comes to, you know, anything in life in general. So I said, let's control what we can control. Um, so the guys have bought into that message. And uh, the most important thing that we can control is when we walk in the gym every single day is our effort and our attitude and, 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 and continue to get better. And the kids, like I said, the kids have done a great job of that. So. Um, that's been my message from day one, and that's going to continue to be a message uh, until the season ends. Back to where we started coaching search. You're a D1 player. You had a, a dabbled in D3 uh, under a pretty darn good coach at WPI. Uh, you certainly got at least that experience, but then you did become eventually, and, and obviously were at Columbia, a D1 assistant. Most people look at that trajectory and see one of two things. If you're coming back to D3, it's to, to work your way back to D1 or – you're going on to D1 anyway. Why mm -hmm. come back to D3? Mm -hmm. what, see, I, I know New England's a hook, mm -hmm. but why this D3 job? Why why is D3 kind of calling you back? And, and what have you learned about D3 that enticed you to take this, this career path? Well, I think like you mentioned, um, growing up in New England, <clears throat> excuse me, there's some tremendous, tremendous uh, Division three basketball schools around here. And, you know, I think a school like Brandeis, when you look back in the history of Brandeis basketball is – They've had a lot of success. Um, they've had opportunities to win, uh, you know, league championships, um, go to the NCAA tournament. But the overall factor for me was, you know, a chance to build something that, you know, in my in my in New England where I'm from, and I really believe that this place has all the makeup to win a national championship. You know, I don't care what level you're at, Division One, Two, Three. Um, if you if you're a school that, had, that that that's in position to compete to or to get to a point to compete for a national championship, that's saying a lot. Um, that's one of the reasons, you know, I really, really wanted to, you know, to, to get this job because I really believe in, in due time, um, you know, as we continue to recruit and, and work, you know, I really believe we'll have a chance to get to that stage. Fascinating. I appreciate the point of view uh, tremendously on that. Uh, we should point out you're not used to UAA travel, but then you were a D1 assistant. You're kind of used to travel. You're used to living out of a bag. You're kind of yes. used to being in an airport. Uh, I have a feeling that traveling through the UAA is not going to be the most difficult thing you've ever done. No, not at all. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, this is the least travel I've done in the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, and now you're on a restricted schedule. You don't even know what to do with yourself. You, you exactly. haven't even had that opportunity yet. You're going to come March or April and go, wait, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I agree. 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 <laughs> yeah, you haven't even had that downtime yet since you took the job in October. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate you joining us, being so frank with us about the change of the tide, as it were, at Brandeis. Looking forward to seeing how the judges do this season. I have a feeling we'll be talking to you in the near future. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the final word to the guest. Any final words you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, just, you know, I just want to, you know, send a shout out to uh, all the people at Brandeis. I think uh, the student body has done a tremendous job in terms of supporting the kids and, and, and coming out. Um, hopefully they just keep doing it. Hopefully we just keep playing hard and, and keep making them proud. Wonderful. 
Well, thank you again for your time. Congratulations on the job. Congratulations on the start to the season. We also want to congratulate your uh, your team on their start as well. And we look forward to talking to you sometime down the road. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The interview cut out a little quicker than we anticipated. Uh, something with the editing system. But uh, appreciate Coach uh, Gene Bain joining us again. Uh, there at halftime, which might have been appropriate. Some of you watching the Brandeis game may have two flipped over to catch us here in that interview. Of course, if you missed any, you can watch it on demand. Uh, they got the 37-23 lead at the half on Becker. Brandeis looking to get that win. Then they got a good test against Wesleyan coming up midweek, or I'm sorry, on the weekend, uh, coming up on Saturday. Then next week they got Emerson before they'll take the holiday break. They're back at it against Bowden on the 30th and then get into uh, NY and get to play NYU in conference play that'll be at home so good start for uh, them again didn't want to dive into the mess but interesting wanted to get his take on taking over uh, i heard a lot of coaches who told me this that was a good hire um number of coaches thought he was kind of going to be the lead in it um you can look at it from a variety of ways we didn't look at it i think it's apropos that an african-american was hired per the the reasons that Brian Meehan was let go, I don't think it was sought after at all. I think John Bain, or John, I keep calling to say John Bain. It feels Nobel. Uh, Gene Bain is a good coach. There isn't any coach I've talked to who knows Gene Bain who doesn't say he's a good coach. And so uh, good to see him back in Division Three, and we wish him luck at Brandeis. We'll see how it all plays out. Again, there uh, we'll keep an eye on the Becker game if it ends before uh, we go off the air, which it, which it should. As it says, forgive the cold, making my eyes water, making my nose run. Can't seem to bucket. Got to take another break. We're going to keep the theme. We should point out, uh, if you're wondering about the WBCA All-Star Game, it's going to be on the show, but we're going to keep teasing you. Uh, in the meantime, coming up next, we're going to switch down to the Eastern Shore of Maryland, talk Salisbury men's basketball. Andy Sachs let go right before the season started. Their senior captain, Chase uh, Coomer, comes on the show to talk about what it's been like to switch gears as a team. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoops Hope when we return. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got 
more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got any questions for the show, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can always join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We are on Instagram at D3Hoopsville there as well, though we don't follow the account during the show. Um, if you've got questions for our guests, we always like to hear from them. We'll at least try and answer them for you, or at least or should get them answered for you. Uh, if you've got questions for us, send them our way. Lots of ways to communicate with us. We hope you'll take full advantage of them when you can. So we're keeping up this topic of the change, as it were, uh, when you have to deal with it as a change in a program. We just heard a coach's point of view, why Gene Bain decided to take over Brandeis. The other vantage point that I wanted to get was from a student athlete's point of view. What's it like to, as right before you start your season, your coach is suddenly no longer there and you need to kind of focus on the task at hand without being too distracted while also probably having an understandable um, um, feelings about the situation. It happened twice to us, one in men's, one in women's basketball this year, two with programs that certainly a lot of people were watching and high profile. Uh, and high profile for different reasons. The first one that we remember was Salisbury University. The men's basketball program coaches Andy Sachs uh, put on suspension right before practices were to begin really in early October and then later subsequently let go under mutual agreement before the season got going. It's tough to deal with that as a student athlete, but Salisbury's off eh, to a pretty good start. Let's be honest, 8-0 in the season. They could actually uh, break the record for best start in a season if they get a win on Saturday against Wesley. So with that in mind, we wanted to get that student athlete's point of view. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the senior captain of the Seagulls. It is Chase Coomer. And Chase, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time out of your day. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. I know you talked with Ryan Scott. Good article last week. We wanted to just kind of, uh, kind of dive in more to it in some way. And I should say, you're you're probably in the midst of worrying about finals. So I really do appreciate you taking some time with us here. You yeah, sure thing. Um, so listen, I, we don't want to know the the reasons and all that stuff as to why Andy Sachs was let go. But I know it was emotional for you guys as a team, and I know it was hard for you guys because again, the timing couldn't have been any worse as a player, right? Absolutely. You know, the uh, the timing really threw us off. And we, we felt that it, it could have been handled a different way. But like you said, um, Coach Sachs was a great leader for us on and off the court. And he showed us so many great things. And uh, it really was a, a brutal shock to us. And um, for a couple of days, you know, we were uh, all pretty emotional about it and didn't know how we felt. And um, I was always taught growing up to uh, stand up for what you believe in. And uh, we, we fought for him and, uh, until that last day, until it all came to an end. And when there's a decision's made, a decision's made. And at that point, we, we were ready to go. But um, we definitely, definitely fought for what we believed in in this case. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we came closer because of it. So. Yeah, Brian McDermott, uh, no stranger to the program. You guys certainly know Brian, but he takes over as interim head coach. And 
Yeah, as much as you guys had wanted to fight for for Andy and 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 keep him on as your head coach, you also probably knew there's a task at hand here. Those practices are are still going to show up on the calendar. You still got to get ready for that first game. That's not going to get moved whether you like it or not. There's there's for lack of a better description, a job to do. How do you refocus on that that job when when you are somewhat distracted? Well, that was uh, that was definitely difficult for us but when when we stepped on the floor it was just like you can ask really any athlete um of any sport you you go on the court or the field and when you're on there you, you kind of forget about the things that are pulling you down and um mind bottling you and things of that nature and that's what it did for us you know it's almost like it was a, a blur for those two hours while we were on the court and we knew we had to get better either way so that was what was important to us for those two hours. And then um, afterwards, if, if there was something we needed to do or um, things of that nature, that's what we would do. But like you said, uh, those practices are, are key of putting in defense principles and offensive uh, continuities, things of that. Yeah. And uh, so we, we definitely, those practices were important. And we, we made sure that we made the time useful. Now, listen, I went through a, a semi-coaching change when I was a student-athlete. My coach didn't leave. They were just kind of getting rid of what you probably would think is crazy. Would One coach is a head coach at two different programs, and, and mine was getting the assistant coach brought up as head coach as the head coach let go of the reins to some degree. I learned from that that as much as I knew my guy, you know, his assistant is now becoming the head coach was the assistant, it didn't mean things weren't different. It didn't mean the practices might not be run differently or – Maybe they're going to put a different plan in place or whatever, and I need to adjust. And it's tough to adjust, but I need to adjust. Is have you guys had to go through that, or have you has has Coach McDermott been able to somewhat keep things somewhat cohesive? Well, Coach McDermott's done a great job of uh, keeping things cohesive, as you said, um, for us, and it made it a lot easier for the returners. You know, we didn't really change up our defensive principles; kept things the same there. And then offensively, we made some minor hitches and um, play a little different style, a little, a little faster, I think, this year. Um, but besides that, um, you know, he wanted to keep things as consistent as possible. But at the same time, we ended up in third place last year, and our goal is to uh, end up in first. So we knew uh, there has to be changes <laughs> somewhere along the line there. So we, we've gone in there and done that. Did the basketball court become somewhat of a refuge for you guys where you guys could go in, even to this day, go in? I know it can be a way of getting away from the regular life, but did it really become where you're, you kind of hinted at it, your team could really come together? Yeah, we definitely have come together a lot. I've been a, I was a part of a, a really fun team in high school that played together, and uh, we rallied together too and ended up winning a championship. But um, there's something special about this team, and, um, with the coaching change and then our teammate Jack Ferguson, mm-hmm. um, who's now with us this season. But um, we, we really rallied together, and it's awesome to see um, just the, the pursuit of winning basketball games for each other and for Coach Sachs and Jack and just all of us in, in general. We, we really need it. <clears throat> uh, to throw a curveball at you. You you mentioned uh, your teammate who's not with you yeah. this season. Do, do you mind touching on him uh, and what's going on there a little bit? 
Yeah, so uh, Jack is uh, probably my best friend here at school, and uh, he's fighting a uh, pretty rare cancer. But um, so so far, he's doing great and uh, making some good progress and hanging in there, and his uh, attitude's really great about it. And I talk to him pretty much every day, and we uh, we stay in touch. And he's uh, he's up there in Canada right now. I don't know if he's listening, but um, he might be. But uh, the uh, Raptors beat up on the Sixers last night, Ooh. so he, was, he made he made sure to let me know about that. Oh, all right. So, all right. But he's he's doing well, and you know every game that we go out there, there's not a second that we don't uh, think about him or play for him. Sure. Uh, every every day. So uh, the season got started with a win over Arcadia at home, then Lancaster Bible, then a big win over nationally ranked Johns Hopkins all those games at home. And then on the road, uh, a tough win against the Virginia Wesleyan squad, who's always tough, a win at Washington College, which is a bit of a rivalry game, certainly was close. You then came home, got a win over Goucher, back on the road, got a win over St. Mary's in conference and Marymount, your old conference foe, just on Wednesday night. You guys are rattling these games off. They're tight, but you're battling. You're getting wins. That's got to be feeling pretty good, too, considering what you guys have gone through this offseason. Yeah, it feels great. I mean, the goal every night that we go out there is to win, and that's how we, we've been taking it is one game at a time. You can't win the next game before you win the one at hand. And every game we got to get a little bit better. I mean, we're we're 8-0, but like you said, there's been a lot of close games, and we've got we to mature up a little bit and hammer out some of those things we need to work on. But um, we're really excited about the way we've been starting, and you know how conference games and old conference games, even if Marymount's not in the conference anymore, that, that, that's a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. And all all four years that I've been there, it's been a nail biter. So <laughs> um, it's just a tough place to go out there and win. And it's always good to come out with that uh, close overtime win like that. I was watching that game, and uh, we were all remarking on the in the interesting new look Marymount has for a floor. As you mentioned, you've been there a few times. How different is that floor that they've got? Was it a little bit a little bit tough to play on? Uh, it's actually it, it's very nice. When we originally walked in, we were a little uh, thrown off because uh, <laughs> I we had no idea, and then I, we thought it might have been a clay court, but it ended up just <laughs> still being it was still the wooden court, yeah. but they just painted over it gray. So. It seemed like the same court, but yeah. it's just a small gym, yeah. different environment. That is a different environment, isn't it? I always, I always used to get headaches in there from the sound reverberating off the, the top of the roof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a gray place at Marymount, but pretty cool at the same time. So you got this win coming up, or this game coming up against Wesley. You could set program history with it. You've got then a break for the holidays. How do you now deal with this break? Because if, if let's be honest, Chase, between the time Coach Andy Sachs was put on suspension until the time we're talking right now, there hasn't been a break for you guys. It's all been about focusing on basketball. It's all been about you know practices and games. How do you now deal with a break where you finally maybe get a chance to, to kind of unwind a little bit? You know, we're, we're right now like we're very focused about this game Sunday because that's that's our first good answer uh, <laughs> our first thing to be thinking about but as that break comes you know that's during our finals so we'll get some time to get that schoolwork done but it'll be nice to unwind and kind of talk about what's going on and um, just just to get better because we know that's what we re- we really need to do 
because if we don't keep doing that, we can't keep this ball rolling. And it's awesome to see with this team what's what's great is it it's a different guy every night. Mm-hmm. Last night it was Lucas Martin and Marquise, and the night before was Blair Davis and James Foley, Gary. I, the list goes on. I mean, it's a different guy every night, and that's what's that's what's exciting. You, you just never know who it's going to be, and there's no one ever pouting at the end of the day because. All these guys just want to win, and we want to win for each other. So that's it's cool. what makes it fun, and it's just a great time. Awesome. Before we let you go, uh, you are a senior, obviously. What's your major? What are you hoping to do afterward? I'm an exercise science major, and okay. I'm currently uh, applied to some uh, physical therapy schools and oh. waiting to hear back. Awesome. I, I, I have had to... Uh, I've had to have my fair share of physical therapists. Uh, you guys are godsends. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, you could probably appreciate that as an athlete, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Chase, I appreciate you, your time. I appreciate your candor and uh, talking about it. I know it hasn't been tough, but congratulations on a tremendous start to the season, despite all the distractions that you guys have. Um, and good luck, not only your team, but we wish you luck to your to your teammate. I don't want to say former because he's still part of the team up there in Canada. Absolutely. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the final word to our guests. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, no, I just appreciate you having me and go gold. Very nice. Hey, take care of yourself. Happy holidays. Thanks, Dave. You too. Absolutely. Chase uh, Coomer joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. You know, they actually had that extra, you know, angle there of what else was going on, a teammate battling cancer up in Canada to go with the coaching change. He talked about, listen, they did fight for their coach, um, and, and many players will on a lot of occasions. And so that added to the element there. But you hear, focus. We, we need to focus on the task at hand. They've got a goal in mind. They know they want to improve on last year. And I'll say this, for all the programs, and, and we can dive in a little bit better, some of these programs handling this a little bit better than a famous case we had a couple of years ago at William Patterson, if you remember. Uh, and I think that's what I want to point out this year is how these programs have galvanized around each other and haven't made it a bigger deal um, and, and, and been successful as a result. Again, Salisbury game at Wesley, 4 o'clock on Saturday, a chance to go 9-0 for the first time in program history. Take another break. When we come back, we'll keep up the student-athlete point of view. We'll talk to Cassidy Williams. She's a senior on the Trine Thunder women's basketball team. Went through a similar situation, though maybe a little bit more uh, uh, a little bit more sudden a little bit more surprising in some nature we'll talk to her about the uh their head coach ryan gould being let go by the school you listen to hoops presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca nabc studios we'll be back with more hoops when we return i'm a division three student athlete and i know how powerful words can be the term gay doesn't mean stupid lame or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along on this show about ch sudden changes and changes and dealing with those changes. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. A reminder, we'll talk about the other change uh, to Division Three women's basketball for this season. Uh, it's still ahead. Pat Manning for Williams will be joining us. She'll be talking about the new WBCA All-Star Game to be played at Roanoke College as part of the championship weekend. Uh, it's for seniors. Just a reminder, everybody, just very similar to the NABC All-Star Game on the men's side. We'll talk about her, why she's so excited, and trust me, folks, she's thrilled. Um, and more about that game coming up. But we'll keep with this theme here. Just got done talking to uh, Chase uh, Coomer and appreciate him from Salisbury. By the way, I mentioned their game against Wesley was on Saturday. It's actually Sunday, uh, you know, with exams and all. A little bit different timing, but their game against former um, CAC foe Wesley coming up on Sunday. Well, he talked about, listen, they, they dealt with the Andy Sachs news. They certainly fought for their head coach, wanted him to stay on. It wasn't going to happen, and but they're – needing to refocus on the task at hand and what was going on in front of them, per se. The same can be true at Trine. Uh, the women's program, roughly the same time, a little bit after we heard about the Andy Sachs news, suddenly Ryan Gould is no longer head coach at Trine. And the process very quickly went from suspended to no longer head coach, no longer with the school, they're on to an interim head coach themselves. Can't be easy to deal with, especially for a program at the time ranked in the top 10 in the D3Hoops.com preseason poll, currently 11th. Uh, but they're still off to a pretty solid start at 7-1, and one, which takes my 19-2 and two mark and add to it's 21-2 and two for these three schools. They're one loss to a, a really good DePaul squad. What's it like to deal with this, especially a program with so much expectations and a big spotlight on them? Well, nicely enough, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is a senior from their program. Cassidy Williams joins us. And Cassidy, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I know, listen, as I've said to many, we don't want to distract and make or make this a bigger distraction. But the fact you're out to a 7-1 and one start playing good basketball under interim head coach Andy Rang right now is a testament to how much... You need to be resilient sometimes in life. You guys got that curveball with Coach Gould in mid-August, in mid-October. How did you all kind of react to the news? I mean, the it kind of came to a surprise, um, just like anyone would think. But we kind of all took time, took the first few days to really maybe talk about it, and then after that, it was on to basketball. I mean, basketball is what we came to school for. I mean, other than academics, we came <laughs> good answer. To good answer. <laughs> right. My parents would be proud of that answer. <laughs> yes, they uh, should be. 
<laughs> we came to, for, to go to school and to play basketball and to win basketball games. And so that's the task at hand. Each and every day we step on the court. So with something like this to happen in the beginning of the, beginning of the season, we just had to look past it after we talked about it and then decided what, as a collective group what we were going to do about it. Um, and that was just to continue to play basketball because, like, I, I mean, we do have a basketball game upcoming on Saturday. So that's, our, that's the thing that's on our mind. You know, we're not again not diving into the reasons why coaches let go. We're not interested in that. We're more interested in how you have to deal with it. You guys came mm-hmm. in with a lot of high, a lot of expectations. Twenty six and four last year, twenty five and three the year before. You know, your your freshman year is when you guys kind of broke out, as it were, at nineteen and nine. You're mm-hmm. you're you know you're now in that conversation nationally as some of the best teams in the country. The worst thing you could have probably wanted to deal with was a coaching <laughs> change when you hit the practice time to get ready for your season. How hard was it, though, to take that time you needed and then refocus? I mean, we have a great coaching staff with Coach Rang and Coach Hoffman and Coach Taylor, and they really helped facilitate us through that. And even with our athletic, our head athletic director, Matt Land, they really helped us through that time because, I mean, we are still 18- to 23-year-olds trying to deal with something like this. And I think they did the best of telling us uh, kind of like, what's at hand, what's going on, and then we kind of look past it as soon as we uh, dressed as a team. And our focus, we all decided what our focus was going to be, and it was going to be on basketball. Um, certainly. Basketball can also be, as we talked to, to uh, Chase earlier, can be a distraction and, and a welcome distraction. You can yeah, lock yourself absolutely. in that locker room. You can lock yourself in that gym for all, for all it matters. Just focus on the here and now and not worry about anything else. Granted, the one person that's leading you when you've done that in the past is no longer there. You've got a new voice in your head to some degree, but how important was the basketball court and the locker room in this situation? I mean, like uh, many times, like with our assistant coach taking over, he, we are the same principles still apply. We still play the same defense. We still kind of play the same offense. So it's kind of easy. So it wasn't like a complete transition mm-hmm. um, on the basketball court. It was pretty much the same thing that we've done the past three years. So that was a comfort zone. So I knew going in that with Coach Rang taking over, we were going to do the same things as we've done in the past. So just know that that kind of eased us, um, especially the group of five of us that's been here for three and four years now, that we just knew what was, what was expected from us, mm-hmm. even though our head coach was gone. You talk about it, you know, the similarities. You're, you're keeping the same program and all that stuff in place, but you have a different voice. Um, mm-hmm. is, is it hard? Because, uh, you know, Coach Gould probably did things a certain way or reacted in a certain way to good and bad things. Coach mm-hmm. Rang probably has his own point of view and, and mm-hmm. probably didn't speak as much as, as you might have heard Coach Gould. Have you, have you had to adjust to a little bit of a different style out of Coach Rang? Um, Coach Rang has always been a big presence um, in our program. So to say, like, I think the more adjustment is on his part on how he <laughs> plays his role. Okay. But I think he's always been a big voice in our program, even when Coach Coach uh, Gould was our head coach. So I mean, not much of a difference there. If, has the senior class taken on maybe a little bit more ownership as well? Because uh, I mean, this is your final year. If mm-hmm. things go sideways, you'd hate to to have it leave on that note. Have you mm-hmm. decided to kind of put it on your shoulders a little bit more too? Oh, absolutely. Um, as soon as he really found out the news, I mean, us four seniors and even our uh, one of our juniors, we took it upon ourselves to be maybe there for the underclassmen because Coach Gould was a big presence in, like, recruiting them and getting them to come to Trine. So just to, like, reassure them that everything's going to be okay. We're fine. Coach Rang knows exactly what he's doing. He's, <laughs> he's a very smart coach, and he knows what he's doing. So 
I feel like we took that upon ourselves to like maybe help him in like comforting the locker room and being a presence in the locker room uh, with showing the underclassmen since we have such a big freshman class, just to know that like we're good, everything is great, basketball will be fine. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, but it's also got to be good that starting seven and one kind of reiterates that point. Hey, see, we <laughs> told you things were going to be okay here. <laughs> Um, we'll talk about the loss in a bit, but wins over Denison and Otterbein, uh, Oberlin and Frostburg, uh, a good win over uh, who has been a pesky Marietta squad of late, uh, a win and oh, big wins over Alma and Kalamazoo to some degree. Again, that's kind of turning those underclassmen going, see, we're good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The loss to DePaul, 68-66, that probably could have happened no matter the circumstances. That's a tough squad. Mm-hmm. You've you known over the last few years that you're going to face some tough opponents and that the NCAA tournament, the Great Lakes region especially, is a very difficult place to play. Is that one of those games that, yeah, the loss stings, but we'll move on? Yeah, absolutely. The loss stings really bad, especially coming off um, when we beat them last year in the tournament. Yeah. But we learned a lot from that game. I mean, we played a really tough um, out-of-conference schedule um, the beginning of the year, which really helped us like develop our skill and develop what we need to do. Uh, on the court, and I think we we had a lot of takeaways from that game, and I think that feeling of losing, I mean, I absolutely hate it, so hmm. it, it sits in your stomach, and it makes you not want to ever do it again, so maybe we needed that, just to understand like what we need to get better at, what we need to do better in order to, when we play conference games against the Hopes and Calvins, uh, that we need to know what we need to be able to do, and what we can't do, so we can't mess up in the conference play. Sure. Uh, yeah, you defeat, defeated DePaul 65-50 in the opening round. You guys got all the way to the Sweet 16. Uh, every year, you've gone a little bit further. It was second round your sophomore year, third round mm-hmm. last year. I know the goal ultimately is to win a national championship. I get that. But how hard, is there pressure to not go backwards, per se? Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, I don't personally, I don't think there's any pressure to go backwards. I mean, I think that each of us have – well, each – uh, considering the four seniors and Katie as a junior, we've improved our game each and every year. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we keep striving and looking forward, then rather to look back is our best course of action. Um, just knowing that we play such uh, two, a few teams in our conference are very top heavy, like with hope being what ranked second in the nation mm-hmm. that we have to, I mean, play well every each and every day and compete in order to get back in that situation of being able to go far in the tournament. You mentioned um, Hope Calvin. You know, usually it's been mm-hmm. those juggernauts at the top of this conference. Trine has changed that conversation greatly. It's mm-hmm. going to be a battle this year. What are you expecting? I'm expecting them just to be good as any other any other <laughs> year, maybe better. Um, I mean, Calvin has a new well. Calvin has a new kind of uh, lineup there with a lot of mm-hmm. freshmen and graduating a really good senior class last year, and Hope returns some of their best players. So I mean, it's going to be a battle each and every time we play them so i'm really excited because i mean i love the competition you guys also got to uh debut a brand new uh center uh a gym you got i think it was it last year you guys stepped into that gym for the first time yeah last year right after christmas break right that's right um i gotta ask though you've been playing in one place for x amount of time you know what uh, two and a half years now yeah. they open up a beautiful place which is lovely to play in but how long did it take you to make that feel like home i mean personally I wouldn't have called the MTI Center home last season at all because okay. we've been. I had been in Hershey for what you said two and a half years. And yeah. that's what I've known, and just like the size difference 
and all the features about it were honestly night and day. Yeah. So it was kind of more like playing in a bigger arena was kind of different. But now that I stepped on the court, you know, after the, my postseason last year and the preseason this year, and I stayed on campus and was working out in the gym all summer, I mean, now it's for sure my home. Yeah. Um, I love that place and everything that has with it. It looks beautiful. Um, mm. Absolutely gorgeous. How hard was it to adjust to, sh- to the new shot uh, sight lines, as it were? You know, where, what you see when you shoot. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a big um, adjustment for myself, at least. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. How I, I don't really know how to answer that question. That's all right. It's a huge adjustment um, with just like the bigger arena. And coming from Hershey Hall, where the out of bounds line and the bleachers were about a foot away. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> very tight confines, as it were. Yeah. Now very yeah. spacious confines, yeah. and you're used to them. I mean, hey, Hope's got a beautiful place. Calvin's got yep. a beautiful place. To some degrees, I'm sure they're jealous of your place because it's certainly spectacular and bright and shiny new. Um, talk- I mean, it, it makes sorry, it no. makes Hope and Calvin easier to play out now that we play at the MTI Center every day. Great point. So yeah, <laughs> transition a little bit easier into Hope and Calvin to be sure. Hey, uh, talk about this senior class. You guys have really been through a lot. You've helped put this Trine Thunder program on the map. You, Brandy Dawson, who's leading the team in scoring right now, Montana Martin, and, and Shaylee Duff. And, and you mentioned Katie Steers, the junior, certainly, because the rest of it's sophomores and freshmen. So it is really that core group of five, as you mentioned. Talk about that group and what it's meant to play with them. I mean, it's on, well, honestly, all five. It's, we've been together the longest. Um, we're friends off the court. Well, uh, Katie and Montana and I even live together. So it's just it's just a tight-knit group. We mesh well. We've played basketball, a lot of basketball games together. I mean, it's just awesome to be able to experience this with those four. You hinted at this, so let me go back to the topic at hand. Was it because of that core group that it may have been easier to deal with the sudden change of coaching staff and, and, and an abrupt departure right before the season than it may have been if your group wasn't as tight or, or maybe it wasn't as, as successful a program over time? Oh, absolutely. The tight-knit group made it so much easier. You know, I can depend on any of those girls to go to about a, a bad situation, and that was a bad situation. Yeah. So we knew that we had to come together. We had to be closer than ever, and I really truly feel that that situation brought us brought us together and brought us to another another level in our relationship because we knew we had we had to use each other and there was no other way around it yeah yeah, great point of view uh you've got calvin coming up speaking of which uh on uh what is that sunday saturday Saturday. see i got my date screwed up with salisbury so i I don't know what dates are anywhere anymore so you got calvin coming up you then to have defiance uh after a little bit of a break and then you take your christmas break you'll go down to Looks Lexington, Kentucky. I guess Thomas Moore. He'll take on Whitewater. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, big game coming up on Saturday. Uh, How you plan to attack Calvin? Yeah, I mean, we just go out and play as hard as we can, execute our game plan, and I mean, that's all we. That's all our coach asks us to is do what Mm -hmm. we're told, execute, and I mean, hopefully, the ball bouncing our way. Yeah, well, hopefully as well. Uh, How important is conference play too? Oh, conference play is so very important. Our coaches stress that every day. We can't slip up. We have to bring it every single night, even against teams maybe at the bottom half of our conference. Like, we can't have one slip up or that takes us out of the conference or maybe even at the conference tournament or even Mm -hmm. out of, like, the talk of the national tournament. Sure.
Uh, we hinted at it at the beginning. I have no idea if, you, if it's even in the cards for an invitation. But what is, is the fact that there's now an all-star game at the championship game change the point of view? Does, does, is that an exciting thing from a woman's basketball point of view in Division Three? I think it's a very exciting thing. I mean, it's another chance, one, another chance to play basketball and play basketball with a lot of great athletes and a great basketball players. So I think it's a great opportunity uh, that's, that's coming to the floor. Uh, we'll talk to Pat Manning about it coming up. She hints at the fact that probably there won't be any defense. I have a feeling you wouldn't want to play defense in that game. <laughs> I love defense, so I could never say that. That's true. We used a defensive profile of you on the broadcast. Uh, we loved it, <laughs> so we used that for sure. Um, before we let you go, let everybody know what your major is and what are you hoping to do uh, once graduation hits? Oh, wow. Loaded question. I know. A little bit. <laughs> your parents, remember, might be listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm a sport management major. Okay. So I'll graduate in May with also my master's in business administration as well. Wow. And I'm, yeah, that's awesome. And I don't really know what I want to do after school, but eventually I would like to be a collegiate athletic director. Wow. All right. So quickly, before we leave you then, first off, let's jump back. Undergraduate in sports management? Yep. And a postgraduate in business management? Yeah, master's in business administration. At the same time? At the same time. <laughs> Cassidy, you're taking this YD3 thing a little far, don't you think? Holy. I mean. <laughs> you, you, do you have time to be in the gym? Always. <laughs> Always got to make time for basketball. All right, let me rephrase it. Do you have a time for anything else? You know, I, I've really developed this thing of time management, and I, and I, bravo. I use my planner very seriously. <laughs> I, I Bravo. Wow, that's impressive. All right, but considering what you just told me, not to harp on, on the news that happened, have you been able to take anything that did happen and use it as a life experience with the idea that you would like to be an AD in the future? Have you, have you been able to either behind closed doors, I'm sure there's some stuff they can't tell you, but is there something about stuff they couldn't tell me? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not looking for that. What I mean is, yeah. were you at least able to maybe use that as an experience for your future, you know, to help you in that sense? Or did you have a different appreciation of it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a, a hard situation in everyone's spot. I mean, being the athletic director and then our uh, assistant coach, Andy Rang, being an assistant athletic director yeah. and having this kind of happen that kind of puts everyone in an awkward situation. Right. So, I mean, some people had to make really hard decisions, and sometimes that happens, and obviously that happens a lot in life. So they kind of, like, step back and step back and kind of look at that. Like, being an athletic director isn't easy. You have to make decisions that you don't want to make. You have to fire people you don't want to fire and things like that. You have to handle hard situations, sure. ones like this. So you got this cool person. I don't mean cool. Uh, yeah. Very different <laughs> perspective, though, than maybe the rest of your teammates because you're going through – classes and and have a hope in life later on to understand maybe what's going on behind the scenes you don't need to know them i'm just saying you kind of understand yeah. what's going on and, and maybe that will be something you can lean on later in your life yeah absolutely wow it's just, yeah. and so, i'm interning in the athletic department right now so. oh geez this is a whole big whammy for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um are you planning on going into coaching before going on to administration or are you hoping to maybe jump into the administration side first you know, I'm really open to either. I've always um, thought of myself as a coach, possibly. Um, and my my dad was a ba boys basketball coach, mm -hmm. so I mean, I've I've felt felt out that profession. I know what it's about, and I mean, I would love to coach one day. Cool. 
Well, I really appreciate the time uh, you you took to join us. Apparently, on a much busier schedule than I realized you had. Um, I realize you're in the middle of finals, so I appreciate that as well. Um, and I appreciate your 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 candor and, and your point of view. I, I thank you for that. Uh, we wish you luck with the rest of the season. We always have a tradition on this show that we always have the guest get the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, not really, but other than thanks for having me and go Thunder. Oh, go Thunder. That's that's definitely appropriate. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on what has been a tremendous career so far. Good luck against Calvin this weekend and the rest of the season. We'll look forward to watching the Thunder the rest of the way. Uh, take care. Happy holidays. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Cassidy Williams joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Fascinating point of view. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't do enough homework there, obviously, to know what her uh, – her her business uh, or her um, undergrad and postgrad were there. I know I probably should have read Ryan's article a little bit more in depth, but I was also in the middle of soccer, so I only caught part. I read it; it was bead reading. Um, but great point of view from from Cassidy, to say the least. Um, and we congratulate her on what she's done, and congratulate the program again. Seven and one, considering what they've had to deal with. You got Salisbury at eight and zero, who's dealing what they've had to deal with. Five and zero from. Um, um, well, now six and one, I think. We'll double check the score. Five and one for Brandeis, considering what they dealt with. I, I think that's a testament to the programs and a testament to those student athletes that not let the other stories tell their story, if that makes any sense. So, once again, thanks to everybody for joining us. All right, so we're going to switch gears. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, WBCA uh, All Star game. At the same time, reminder to you, there's going to be some time uh, here coming up where we can talk about things. Actually, we're going to take a, a do a short. Uh, segment before we hear from Pat Manning. So if you got questions for us, thoughts, ideas, whatever, tweet us at D3Hoopsil or hashtag Hoopsil. Email us Hoopsil at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsil. You're listening to Hoopsil presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more when we return. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Thursday evening. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Reminder, coming up, we'll hear from Pat Manning from Williams, whose team is playing a game tonight, um, about the upcoming WBCA All-Star game. Dara Duncan says, uh, I've wondered why the women didn't have an All-Star game. Good to hear they'll have one. We'll talk more about why they now have one coming up. Uh, Robert asks if there's any news on the health of uh, Illinois Wesleyan's Rose and what to look for Saturday against the Augies. I have no news about Rose off the top of my head. Um, I could certainly check out the boards here at, at some point um, for what they may be saying. Um, we don't tend to dive into that because it's hard for us to get that kind of information. Nine times out of ten. Um, I am quickly diving in just to see if anybody made such a comment. Um, anyway, um, and what to expect to get into Augie? I, th- I expect a battle, even with the loss against Wheaton. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan and, and Augustana were expected to be at the top of the conference. I can't see why they won't be um, battling this one out. Sometimes it depends on where the game is played as to who's going to come out, though granted they have split that in the past. Uh, the visitor has won in the past, and sometimes uh, the visitor has a, an advantage in the sense that they don't care. Uh, they don't feel the pressure of being at home. So I expect Saturday's game against Augie to be a good battle. I expect it to be a, a tough matchup. Um, I don't know who's going to come out on top, though. Uh, I don't want to even guess. And if if for some reason Rose is, is banged up or injured, well, that could certainly have a factor uh, in that and how it plays out. Uh, a couple scores from around the country uh, we've been keeping an eye on because, well, there's some interesting happenings going on. Um Number two, Williams up on Union 72-60. Well, let me check. 74-60 with five minutes left to go. So Union's hanging with the Eves a, a little bit here. Union, remember, kind of the uh, upset king in the last few years. Hamilton's out easy against uh, SUNY IT halfway through the first half. Uh, MIT has got a little bit of a battle with Salem State as we start the second half in a really low-scoring affair. Uh, 40-34 to start that second half. Uh, I don't think MIT wants Salem State lurking that much. Uh, Babson is up on number 19, um, uh, Amherst, 62-52 with 2.22 left to go in the game. We will keep an eye on that. Amherst, probably another one of those overreaction type things in the top 25. They weren't on my radar to put into the top 25 this early. They're number 19, and they're about to lose to Babson, who got taken out by Brandeis uh, rather easily just not that long ago. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Connecticut College continues. Too many C's. Connecticut College continues to struggle against Coast Guard or in this season period. They're struggling right now against Coast Guard 97-70 late in that game. But we'll keep an eye on some other ones, see if there's other scores that we should uh, keep an eye on. By the way, our guest um, Gene Bain on the show, well, his Brandeis team beat Becker 74-52, so they're now 6 and one on the women's side, we're keeping an eye on the Mass Dartmouth uh, Bowden game. Remember, number one ranked Bowden. Uh, we double check. I'm trying to get the latest score here, and it's taking a while to load. I apologize. Hope that's not affecting our broadcast here. Oh, well, it's not loading. Last I had, I had 46-46 midway through the third quarter. There we go. 60-57 early in the fourth. Mass Dartmouth is up on Bowden. So we'll keep an eye on that the rest of this broadcast. 
St. Joseph's uh, of Maine won easily over Colby's. Christopher Newport won very easily by 39 over uh, North Carolina Wesley. And the only other ranked team on the women's side in action is uh, Texas-Dallas against Concordia, Texas. And that game was over, but I do not have a score for you. I'm trying to see if there's any other scores that jump out at me. But we'll keep an eye on those games as we move on here with the rest of the show. Um, so, again, you know, not to belabor the point of, of these teams who have had to deal with changes, but it's good to see these programs changing uh, or, or adjusting to that change in, in such a good way. We'll look forward to seeing them continue. A um, couple of notes. Uh, let's see here. So the WBCA All-Star Game will be coming out this season in Roanoke. We'll talk with Pat Manning here in a bit about that. That was certainly big news uh, in the last few days. Uh, we should also point out that um, we talked to the committee chairs, and, and I'm surprised by some stuff didn't seem to get any rumblings. The one I, I'm surprised that nobody commented on, which means either no one's listening to the show or I didn't do enough to point this one out. So remember the SOS versus win-loss percentage conversation we always have in men's basketball for the last couple of years? It was 0.03 and a difference of an SOS equals two games. So thus, if a team is 17-4 and four and we're comparing them with a team who's 19-2, and two, and the 19 and 2 team has an SOS that's 0.03 worse than the 17 and 4 team. We adjust the 17 and 4 and the 19 and 2, and suddenly both records are identical. Um, that's a very easy way of saying it. That may go away this year. That may not be as direct a part of the conversation as we've seen it in the last few years. It's not part of the criteria we've all known that but we understood that the committee was using that comparison to understand the criteria it sounds like the NCA has backstepped a bit and told the committee as a result to pump the brakes now there were some years we knew as a 0.06 was going to four and a 0.09 was going to six games and even we spoke up saying that might be too much that might be a bridge too far but one year I knew we were told it wasn't a straight line. The next year it really looked did look like a straight line. The following year it looked less of a line. Some years it was hard to tell. I think we can definitely say this year that .03 to 2 game is something we're going to have to pump the brakes on a little bit. What I mean by that is we're going to see the difference, and we can see that difference, but we're going to have to just let it lay. Um if the difference is significant, we're just going to have to let each piece of data be itself. And what I think is going to end up happening is, one, I think we're going to see rankings a little closer to what the how the women's turn out, where maybe win-loss is respected a little bit more, to be blunt. Um, we also might see where the SOS is, takes on too much of a weight. I, I, I'm, I'm very curious... And I don't mean too much of a weight. I mean, team is ranked based strictly on their SOS. Sometimes when we looked at it, we went, oh, they're ranked there because their SOS is this, their win-loss is this. When you compare them to them, I, I get it. Now we may flip that and say, you know what, that team's got a better win-loss percentage. They're going to be ranked ahead of the team with a better SOS because that win-loss is, is significantly larger than the other team. 
Uh, and when it comes to selections, we may not be able to be as dead on accurate. Remember, we seem to be more accurate on our men's predictions in the last few years than we've been on our women's predictions. And the reason is the women have not been using that .03 to 2 game thing very much at all, if at all. I should say very much if at all. And we are slightly off because we're trying to figure things out a little bit more. Now on the men's side, we're in that boat, I think. I don't think that .03, now we have some time here, but I don't think that .03 to 2 games is going to have as much of a significance uh, this season. And as Sam Atkinson said, maybe this is a necessary check and balance to the system because maybe it was getting a little too concrete that .03 to 2 games was being used too much that other data was not being necessarily um, given its just due would be the best way of saying I don't think it was being ignored ever but I don't think maybe it was getting its just due if they're playing the game with the .03 to 2 games and it's human nature um, so I'm, I'm curious where this will take us. We'll have more conversations about it with the committees in January, certainly. And then we'll have more conversations down the road with it as we get closer to rankings and to see how those rankings really plan pan out as well. Ironic. I don't know if Jeff joined us, uh, <laughs> before I started talking about this. So we'll see how this plays out. We'll see how this plays out. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about the new WBCA all-star game and how beyond sports is the sponsor pat manning from williams will join us in the meantime we continue to follow the scores bowden has come back to tie it against mass dartmouth in women's basketball number one ranked team tying it up with 633 remaining we'll keep an eye on that one uh, williams looks like they're starting to pull away and will win this one against union it's 82 69 with a minute 57 left and uh amherst is now in even more trouble 69 53 the deficit with 114 left so the Mammoths are going to take a loss here. Uh, probably shouldn't have been ranked in the first place, but I digress. We'll take another break. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll talk about the WBCA All-Star Game when we return. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
from eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Thursday evening, we continue to watch scores from around Division Three. Uh, a few upsets brewing, um, though Bowden now on a heck of a run here in women's basketball uh, against Mass Dartmouth. 13 lead changes and one tie in that game against uh, the Corsairs, but the uh, Polar Bears now have a four-point lead. I'm looking for the run. Well, there's the run tracker, but I don't think I've got enough time to figure it out. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we'll keep an eye on things. Now they got a six-point lead, 68-62, as they pour it on. We'll keep an eye on those scores. Let's switch gears. Well, not really. We're still talking about change, but we'll talk women's basketball. The men's basketball pro has had the All-Star game since, and I've actually forgotten how long. Uh, it has existed for quite a long time now. Got rid of the consolation game. The NABC coaches, which makes Salem in the past a destination, decided they wanted to watch an, a consolation game go away and watch an All-Star game instead and did the due diligence to make that happen with help in, in part, not only obviously by the NABC and their relationships with sponsors like Reese's, but also the city of Salem and Carrie Harvey Cutter and the like to get that up and running. The women decided, well, we'd like it too, but they've wanted it for a number of years, but haven't been able to get anywhere with it. Let's be honest. There's a significant difference between the NABC as an organization, and the WBCA. That's not a knock on the WBCA. I think they're headed towards the same kind of impact as the NABC, but they need to build on that. And sponsors and all that is kind of a tough one, tough nut to crack. And an all-star game takes money. <laughs> you got to fly students out there, their coaches out there. You want to find them hotels. Uh, they want to give them gifts as a, as a tip of the hat on their senior year, et cetera, et cetera. There's also time that needs to be spent. So there's money involved in these things, so it's not easy. Well, the women have figured it out, apparently. Earlier today, the WBCA announcing that there will be an all-star game and putting it square on the front of their homepage, which says a lot about the WBCA. There will be an all-star game, inappropriately enough, Salem, Virginia, where Carrie Harvey Cutter and the rest of the crew kind of know how to help put one of these things on. Earlier today, before she hit the road to talk uh, to do, uh, to go to her game against Vassar, Pat Manning joined me to talk about the all-star game that she has been trying to make happen for a number of years. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline is Pat Manning, head coach of Williams, and of course, one of this, the leaders of this effort to get an all-star game into the Women's Basketball Championship weekend. Pat, thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me on. We should point out you a, you have a game, and so we're getting you on in a pre-taped interview. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you you're a little busy. You're a little busy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> this, this is, is such an exciting news that I'm I'm happy, so happy to talk to you about it. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, we you and I have talked off air and on air for a couple of years now about trying to get this All Star Game off the ground and into the women's weekend. The men have had it for numerous years now, and I know the women have wanted it. We saw a baby step with the consolation game being removed um, from the weekend, which opened the door to some degree, but I knew it was still a fight. You needed funding, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of give us a timeline um, of how we got from we really would like this game to, oh, my gosh, we're going to get this game. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely been a process. So our last consolation game was in 2015. Mm-hmm. In 2016, we had the joint championships in Indy, um, so there wouldn't be any. Right. Uh, right. You know, there was no consolation game then. So uh, as I, as I was on the board of the WBCA and at our business meetings at at our convention, it was unanimous that we wanted to have an All Star game. We just for a couple of reasons. We we definitely want to enhance our championship and um, have more attendance and just have more excitement around it. And we also have so many great uh, players in our in Division Three that and seniors that uh, we really wanted to kind of honor them and celebrate their careers. And um, so this is a perfect opportunity to do it. And so we started this. Uh, there were many, many people along the way um, who, who really helped get this going. I think it, it picked up steam um, when Josh Erickson stepped up from Beyond Sports. Uh, we always had support. We just never had a sponsor that we could count on. And so Josh agreed uh, last spring to step up and be our sponsor. And uh, he's a great supporter of women's basketball. And once that happened, then all kinds of things had to happen to, <laughs> to, to make it a reality. Um, Danielle Donahue, I, I mean, I just can't even say enough about her and her leadership with this and how supportive she is of our D3 coaches and, and athletes. And she... Um, wanted me to give her a proposal so she could present it to the board. So I got that to her. I think it was probably June, late June, uh, for their board of directors meeting that happened over the summer. And uh, Jen Rosati helped it go as well. Board of directors voted to support us. And so from there, they had to work out things with Josh, all the particulars and um, that's stuff that I'm kind of clueless about, but they, they got it. The NCAA has to be involved. I mean, there's there's all this stuff that has to happen behind the scenes. So uh, Kelly Wicker at, at the NCAA was a great help as well. I mean, just so many people have, have stepped up. And um, Otis Wiley from, uh, and Mike Kohler from IMG. I mean, I don't want to say too many names because I'm going to forget somebody and then feel badly about it. <laughs> it's like the but, Oscars. <laughs> it, it's just such a team effort. It wasn't one yeah. person pushing it. It was so many different coaches along the way pushing it as well. And so um, when they ironed everything out with Josh, we, we came to realize that this was, this was really going to happen this year. We didn't want to push it off until 2020 because uh, this year's championship is in Roanoke. And the city of Salem, you know, as you know, they mm-hmm. have held a men's tournament for many, many years. And they're an incredibly supportive city. And they've stepped up and are, are willing to do so much for our, for our game. So we thought this is a perfect opportunity since the game was going to be sure. Roanoke-Salem area. Yeah. Um, so here we go. You know, it was just uh, <laughs> everything fell into place because of a lot of hard work by a lot of different people, and we're just thrilled. I, I'm, I'm so excited for our student-athletes, and um, I'm so excited for our coaches because we're going to make it a real celebration weekend. Good. Uh, we're also going to have a uh, coaches clinic. We're going to have a social for all the D3 coaches that come in. We're going to well, do these a ideas sound clinic. familiar. These ideas sound familiar. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so the men have had this. Is that what you're sort of alluding yeah, to? Yeah, this is yeah. awesome. The, yeah, the men have done it for a few years, and um, I, I had a lot of conversations with Charlie Brock. He was very <laughs> helpful from the men's end, and um, 
you know, I mean, everybody wants it. And uh, so I, I think it's going to generate a lot of excitement and hopefully a lot of attendance as yeah, well. I was going to say, one of the you know, we don't have to dive into this too much, but, and we can talk about this in the future, but one of the things that I noticed when I've gone to the Final Four in Holland, Michigan, was the lack of women's basketball coaches involved, including schools that mm-hmm. are right around the corner from Holland weren't even showing up to these games or to the weekend yeah. to celebrate. Um, and that always felt like that was a downfall and that was always a hindrance. So I'm glad to hear these things are stepping forward. We should point out, if no one's heard of Beyond Sports, then you haven't listened to Hoopsville. We've mentioned them a few times. They got a, a little bit of mentions last year when we talked to Brian Morehouse and others about their work. We'll talk to them, I'm sure, at some point down the road. But obviously you need a sponsor. There's, there's cost offsets here of getting players there, maybe giving them some rewards for, for their careers, making sure they're able to play in this game, you know, hotel rooms and all that stuff. So it's the sponsorship, honestly, Pat, from everything I know of how this works, that's the key, but that was also the hindrance for a few years with this. Absolutely, yes, it is. I mean, we, you know, you need to fly kids in from all across the country. Um, you need to put them up for three nights. You need to feed them. Uh, we we want to give them some gear, you know, you have to pay for the game. I mean, all, all this stuff, there's, there's definitely an expense. Yeah. So that was what was holding us back. And we were kind of, it's not a, it's not a crazy amount of money. Um, so some of the bigger corporations weren't as interested because it's not as big of an event. Which is a weird so we, idea, but yeah. Yeah, isn't it? So, um, so we needed a, you know, some maybe a little bit smaller um, organization that that sure. could that wanted to do this and uh brian morehouse was very instrumental in mentioning it to to josh and you know kind of got the ball rolling with that um but josh works with a lot of d3 coaches mm-hmm. for on his trips and um everyone you know has great things to say about him and and, and beyond sports the company as a whole mm-hmm. so it, it's a perfect fit we're really excited. You mentioned Brian Morehouse. We should point out you're not doing all the heavy lifting here as much as we all think no, you do. No. Uh, we know you work hard behind the scenes with the WBCA and representing Division Three, but there is obviously a committee in place. Give us a sense of who it is and and maybe a little bit of why you put this group of, of misfits together. <laughs> yeah, I have a great group of coaches that are, are with me on this. and um, So Brian is one of them from Hope. Dixie Jeffers from Capital. Um, Carla Flaherty from Roanoke. So we're really excited about that because Carla, the, the way the championship's going, it's in, Car- in Roanoke this year, then to Columbus, and then back to Roanoke. Right. So it was really important that both Carla and Dixie were part of this because they're going to be, you know, really in- mm-hmm. uh, involved when, when they're hosting. And then did I mention Jill, Jill Pace from yep. Pomona? There's the other one. And Kelly Thompson from yep. uh, Roger Williams. Yeah, nice group so six there. Six of us, and uh, yeah, the, the hard part. end of six. Yeah, the hard part's going to come in March. Uh, we won't dive into how you are going to break down and figure out uh, who's coming and who's not because we can talk about that another time. And again, you've still got a lot to get done between now and March anyway. But it, it's great that this game's going to take place. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, we've been wanting to see some of these players go up against each other and don't get that opportunity. It's too bad it has taken this long, but it's fun. What is your hope ultimately for this game? Is it is it a way of showcasing Division Three, or is it more about thanking um, these students and these student-athletes for what they've done in four years of their career and a way of getting your coaches together? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's all of that. I think that um, you know I agree with you. When we were in the, we were lucky enough to be in the Final Four in 2013 mm-hmm. at Hope, and Hope does an incredible job of hosting. Yeah. Um, but you're right with attendance. Uh, it wasn't. You know, there's not a lot of attendance by other D3 coaches. No. And um, a lot of D3 coaches only go to the national championship, the D1 national championship. Um, so we're trying to make it so that not only will we involve more D3 coaches by having events that would make them want to come to the mm-hmm. championship other than just the game, and also um, to really kind of grow our membership with uh, coaches' classroom when, when we, you know, we do the clinic, and then to – uh, invite area high school coaches and players there. So there, we're making it really a celebration weekend, sort of mimicking a little bit the, our D1 championship, um, mm-hmm. having, having events similar to what they would have. And we're also going to have, um, this is kind of exciting, two coaches, and the men do this as well. We're going to honor two longtime yep. coaches. Um, and they'll be the honorary coaches of, of the game. Awesome. Um, I can't announce who they are yet, but they're... That's all right. The I men know. don't announce it till like two weeks prior, so it's no big deal to us. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's, you know, we have two amazing coaches in mind that we just have to finalize everything with them. And, you know, I think it's just a celebration when, when uh, E3 basketball is uh, incredible and we have so many great players and great coaches that are involved in the game. And I think this is an uh, awesome opportunity for us all to come together. No, I agree with you. I'm I'm beyond excited. I can tell from listening to you, you're beyond excited. You mentioned Danielle and the WBCA. And listen, you and I have talked about this. Danielle coming on board, the WBCA took a hard turn and realized, yeah. you know, there's more than just D1 here if we want to really do right. They've done amazing things for Division Three, And I'm not trying to say that because they're a partner of Hoopsville, but that's part and parcel part of the conversation here. You guys have had huge support of Division Three, and I find in the press release the fact that Jennifer Rosati is making a comment about it and that Danielle's involved just kind of once again drills home the WBCA cares about Division Three and Division Two for that matter. They absolutely do. I mean, Danielle is always willing to listen to new ideas. She wants to support every level of our membership, um, you know, from high school level on up to D1, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people say that and then don't back it up with anything, but Danielle backs it up. I mean, she's honest and sincere, and she wants every, everyone involved in all phases of women's basketball to be supported. So her leadership, and I was on the board for six years. I just rotated off um, this past summer. So I was just lucky enough to be able to work with her during that time and, mm-hmm. and it's amazing what's happening. And, and, you know, we have great reps, too. I mean, uh, Mary Beth Spurks put a lot of work in yeah. as well. Um, Polly Thomason from, uh, you know, U- from UT Dallas. Yep. Um, and Brian's on the board now. Um, you know, they, they speak up in, in meetings and, and really um, push our agenda so it's not like we're just reacting to what D3, D1 does. We are pushing our own agenda for D3. So I'm really happy with the leadership from our D3 reps and, and then obviously Danielle with her, yeah. um, you know, sort of spearheading everything. Yeah. And I, I also want to give a shout-out to Karen Harvey because from Montclair, <laughs> she, she also put a lot of time and effort into this. Yeah, she's chair. I mean, yeah, so really it wasn't. 
It wasn't one person. It was so many people Absolutely. that made it happen. Yeah, Karen, uh, we talked to her earlier this season, chair of the committee, uh, the national committee. They are involved because of how much it's, it's the weekend, and you said the NCAA is involved. Um, you're technically, you know, adding a game to their weekend. It, 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 there's some complication. Turner Broadcasting is going to be involved to make sure that the game is broadcast and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of moving parts that we know from behind the scenes, having been involved ourselves. It's great to see um, this take place. And and Pat, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm beyond thrilled that this game is taking place. I'm so happy it's also taking place in Salem. That's not a knock to anybody else. But if there's one group yeah. who knows how to put, pull this off, whether it's at the Civic Center or at the Craiger Center, it, it's Salem, Kerry Harvey Cutter, and his group. Yeah, isn't he something? He's he's amazing. <laughs> he's he's got he's more like, energy than any on, of us. Bring it on. We want it. You yeah. know, he's whatever you need. And, and uh, yeah, Salem is so welcoming and, and so supportive. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like it's Christmas. It's just like <laughs> it is. we've been waiting for this day. <laughs> um, you know, something that I, as I was rotating off the board, I really felt like I wanted to get this done because the membership wanted it so badly. Yeah. And, um so to see it all become a reality is just incredible. Well, it's awesome. I know we will talk more about this. I have a feeling we'll get you back on um, later in the season to talk about this and, and everything else regarding it because we certainly want to sh- highlight it as much as we can. Uh, we'll we'll talk about your team at a later date as well, though you're on the road to take on Vassar, and obviously the conference is a battle, but we will we will chat with, about the Eves at a later time. I feel like I've been talking about the Eves a lot if I start talking about soccer. Uh, so oh, I feel that like, was great. Yeah. I feel, I feel what, like, what a game. Oh, unbelievable. But thanks for taking the time. As you know, always give the guests a final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I am just uh, encourage all of our D3 coaches um, – if you're not a member of the WBCA, you should be because it this just goes to show how much um, the leadership of the WBCA really does care about our coaches and our athletes. So I think a way to kind of give back to what them allow, you know, supporting us in this game is for us, to, everyone to become members. Mm-hmm. Um, they make it easy to become members. They, you know, do it. it it's not that crazy expensive. I and mean, there's so many benefits that you get from being a member of the WBCA. So I think that would be my final thing to please join if you haven't already. And then just uh, thanks to so many, all the people that helped along the way. We're really looking forward to it and can't wait to see uh, as many as can get there in March in Salem, in Roanoke. Well, looking forward to it myself. Um, And I thank you for your time. And we will talk later and look forward to getting this event uh, off the ground there in Salem. And uh, take care and and good luck the rest of the season as well. Great. Thanks. And hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Pat Manning joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. And once again, I want to thank Coach Manning for joining me earlier today. Her team did win today against, well, actually, I don't know if they won today. I was thinking of another team. We'll check out uh, how they did today against, whoops, Williams. I opened up a window by accident. Um, I am a huge fan and very thrilled to see the All-Star game coming. Um, we don't have a score from the Vassar game. There you go. We'll find out later. Um, I think it's been long, and to quote one person, long time coming. Listen, it was a challenge. And, and Pat Manning indicated to in there, in that interview, how much of a challenge it was. Finding sponsor money for Division Three women's basketball is not like walking into your, your local big 
store somewhere, you know, name a store and saying, hey, we want to sponsor. Sure, here's X amount of dollars. And, and to get a commitment, too, for multiple years. They can't get a commitment for a single year and hope to God they get that commitment the next year or somebody else gets it, The you know, they can find somebody the following year. It sounds like they went in making sure they got a multiple-year commitment. Remember, we, we haven't had the, the consolation game in a few years now. That was the door that at least started started the process open. Men didn't need it. They, they did it all in one fell swoop. Uh, it helps that the men have already done it. The women can lean on them. It clearly sounds, as she, Pat Manning said, talking to Charlie Brock, who's been instrumental in the All-Star game, talking to the NABC, talking to some others about making sure and how to do it and what to do. I think it helps that Kerry Harvey Cutter and the rest of the Salem gang is involved as well. Uh, I, I think it's very smart on the committee to have um, Roanoke's head coach, Paige Moore, was very much involved when the All-Star game started in uh, in Salem. Also, Dixie Jeffers. You give Dixie a, a goal, she will stick to it and she will make it happen. Dixie gets to see it happen for a year before it comes to Capitol, and then it goes back to Roanoke. they got a three-year plan here. I think we're going to Pittsburgh, if memory serves, the fourth year. Um, that by the time we get there with the fourth incarnation of, not incarnation, fourth version of this, that's not even the right word, but the fourth time, they'll have a lot of the bugs worked out, and, and that host will know it's coming. <laughs> they're not going to be surprised. Oh, by the way, we want to do an all-star game. They're going to understand how they're going to, as a host, going to impact things as well. So really looking forward to seeing... Um, where this takes us, um, we who knows? Um, I don't know what the quality of the game is going to be. I don't care. I really don't. I want to see. I mean, there was there were there were years. I wish I could have seen players uh, face off against each other or be teammates of one another in a game. Um, I I think Cassidy Williams said it best. You know, this is a great opportunity. Um. This is fun. This is a great idea. I have no idea if Cassidy Williams will even be in the game. Uh, the way her teammates playing, playing probably not. They got to figure out how they're going to go about selecting players. They're going to find out that in March it is difficult. I know the men struggle with teams, players on teams that are still participating in the NCAA tournament, especially with their with upsets. Uh, we, hopefully, we at D three Hoops will be involved as well, but. There's a lot of work still ahead, but it is great to see that an all-star game on the women's side is coming, and I look forward to seeing it. And uh, hopefully uh, there's the right voices in place, too, for the uh, game, if you catch my drift. We will certainly work behind the scenes to make that happen. Plenty more about it coming up, I'm sure, on future um, shows, especially the marathon. We'll talk more about it. I have a feeling we always have Danielle from the WBCA uh, on the show. I'm sure we'll talk about it with her. Um, I, I'd be fascinated to hear Jennifer Rosati more than a quote from her. D1 head coach, former UConn player, and, and all everything basketball player. I'd love to hear her take on it. Um, but most importantly, um, I want to hear from others. Brian Morehouse on how he got Beyond Sports on board uh, and some others. Those will be guests of ours later as the season progresses. And speaking of the WBCA, the WBCA Center Court segment will be returning. We already have got a, a list of guest ideas that we will start working on. That always debuts in January when we get back up and running, as will the NABC Coaches Corner. Can't tell you who we're going to get yet, um, but we will have those segments coming back, and uh, we'll look forward to them uh, as well. Score updates. Uh, Bowden wins 75-67. <laughs> they survived. 
They went on a seven, a twenty-one to eight run in a span of seven and a half minutes, or actually, uh, maybe almost close to eight minutes, to come from six down to Bowden to seven up. They go end up winning by eight. They finish the game on a twenty-five eleven run uh, in the final eleven minutes of the contest. So they held. Dartmouth to a single point per minute in the final 11 and scored 25 themselves. Congratulations to Bowden for avoiding the upset. I saw this on a tweet earlier. Texas Dallas beat Concordia, Texas. So all the ranked teams in the women's side won tonight. No, no surprise there, I don't think. On the men's side, we already pointed out that Amherst lost. I'm not personally surprised they lost to to uh, a Babson squad who certainly isn't like they were when they were champions. The same Babson squad that lost to Brandeis. But that's because I don't think Amherst should have been ranked. I, I didn't see where where, the, where their ranking should have been. Um, let's see here. Hamilton is easily up on IT, SUNY IT. MIT now has got a 21-point lead on Salem State, so I think we can avoid any concerns there. Um, and then, obviously, a lot of other games taking place tonight. By the way, that's a surprise result. Uh, Wesleyan... Let me double check something here. Is that seriously right? So Johnson and Wales is three and four on the season, but and Wesleyan just beat them seventy five forty seven. For some reason, that that score really jumped jumped out at me. Um, that's gonna wrap up our our show tonight. We'll be back on the air Sunday evening. Already got some guest ideas. You guys stick to Twitter and Facebook to find out who our guests will be. Um. And, of course, if you've got guest ideas, you can always fire them our way via Twitter and email and Facebook and whatnot. We will certainly take your ideas and note them and see if we can find a way to make them work, if they work for us. In the meantime, appreciate all of our guests coming on the show. They included, of course, uh, Gene Bain from Brandeis, the head coach of the men's basketball team. Uh, Case Cassidy Williams, the senior from Trine. Uh, Chase, um, I always say, I, I always want to say Chase's last name incorrectly, so I always hesitate to try to remember. Chase Coomer, there we go. Chase Coomer from Salisbury, and then Pat Manning, the head coach at Williams, part of the WBCA All Star Game. Want to thank the SIDs involved as well: Tim Brennan at Salisbury, Adam Levin at um, Brandeis, uh, of course, Jeff at, uh, at Trine. My brain is shut off for the night. And then both Doug and, and, and Dick at Williams for their help, especially Williams for getting us our segment late. But also Trine and Salisbury for allowing their student-athletes to come on the show, especially live, and talk about things there, trusting that we were going to cover the segment the way we promised it would. I appreciate them doing that as well. That's going to do it. We're going to be back on the air Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Of course, Hoops will presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Co- Basketball Coaches, w, uh, Women's Basketball Coaches Association as well. Future sponsors to come. You will hear more about them in the future. We keep promising that because it's true. Uh, you're just going to have to stick around and hear about it. If you have any interest in using this show or parts of this show or re-airing them in any way, you're welcome to, but please reach out to get permission just so we know they're being used and that we've done our due diligence because Hoopsville is presented to you uh, and owned and and all that jazz by uh, DMAC Productions, Hoopsville, and myself. Uh, Please contact us if you'd like to use it. We'd be honored, but just do your due diligence. And with that, we sign off. We'll see you back here Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern. You've been watching Hoops. Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you Sunday night.